Life Audio. Hello, welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast, where we discuss powerful truths to quiet anxiety and fear, big and small. I'm Jennifer Slattery, and I am passionate about helping God's children discover, embrace, and experience soul-deep freedom. And I hope to inspire you to then share that freedom with others. I'd love to connect with you online. Visit the show notes to learn how to connect with me or to book me to speak at your next event. Before I launch into today's discussion, some updates. The winner of my book bundle giveaway is the subscriber with the email denoted as DAGSO, D-A-G-S-Z-O. Congrats, Dagso. Please respond to my recent newsletter edition with your mailing address so that I can mail your books. And for everyone else, I'm hosting another giveaway now through February when I'll randomly choose two subscribers from my newsletter list to receive a copy of Heidi Main's recent release, A Family for the Orphans. That's a love-inspired novel. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. When I'm anxious or afraid, I usually want God to remove whatever is causing my inner angst, thinking if only he would fix that thing, then I wouldn't feel so afraid. But when I respond that way, I'm feeding the lie that my peace comes from outward circumstances. When the Bible promises me an unexplainable peace that extends far beyond the greatest challenges you or I might face today, a peace that stems from Christ and his truth. The more firmly anchored we are in biblical truth, the more firmly anchored we are in Christ, who perfectly embodies truth, which is why I'm really looking forward to my conversation today with guest Mary Demuth. Mary, thank you for joining us today. Hey, it is so great to be here, and I'm really thankful that you're having these kinds of conversations. Mary Demuth is an international speaker, a podcaster, and an author of nearly 50 books, fiction and nonfiction including her latest book, 90 Day Bible Reading Challenge. As an avid Bible reader, she has guided many people into the scriptures to supercharge their faith. Through God's healing, Mary has overcome a difficult past to become an authentic example of what it means to live a brand new story. She loves to help others restory their lives through the books she writes. Mary lives in Texas with her husband of 33 years and is mom to three adult children. You can learn more about her at marydemuth.com dot com. We'll put all of her links in our show notes, so make sure to check those out. And her book, 90 Day Bible Reading Challenge, guides readers 
to experience scripture in a unique way. One that from my perspective really helps them to see God's big picture story and how various passages and events reveal his power, heart, and grace. So here's from the book's back cover. While experiencing a dry season in her Bible reading, international speaker and podcaster Mary Dean Youth felt compelled to challenge herself to read the whole Bible in a couple months. A biblical literacy advocate, Mary had read all of scripture in a year, but this 90-day hyper challenge took her on an intense journey that brought her new joy and understanding into her relationship with God. Now a comprehensive and doable Bible reading plan, 90-day Bible reading challenge, read the whole Bible, change your whole life, will revitalize readers' faith journeys, prompt them to see the full Bible story in a new light, and allow them to talk about the Bible with greater confidence. I love that. Mary, I really enjoyed reading. So I read your book and reading the biblical insights that you presented throughout the book. And I believe God will use it to help readers see him in a fresh new way and in a really a faith building way, which leads to my question. A lot of our listeners routinely experience fear and anxiety. So how can scripture itself help us live with decreased fear from a practical level? Well, as we know, it's really the heartbeat of God and his desire for us is to not be anxious. And, you know, we all, I'm sure you've talked on this podcast before about how many fear nots there are. There's a lot of do not fear. And Jesus said it constantly in the New Testament as well. And so when you absorb yourself into the Bible every single day and you're spending an hour a day in it, which is about how long this takes, all of that is just this absorbing of the nature of God, who he is. And one of the things that the last time I read through it rapidly taught me was the relentlessness of God, his relentless pursuit of his people, even when they made all the mistakes forever and ever. Amen. And he's still, and I actually got, I got mad at God. I was like, come on, Lord. <laughs> Because we have been taught that God's kind of mean in the Old Testament and nice in the New Testament, but it's really not true. He continually gave everybody second, third, fifth, hundredth chances. And I was kind of like getting really impatient with him. But that also made me think, oh, he's that patient with me. And when I'm going through fear and anxiety and when I my heart rate is elevated or I'm panicking, I can know that that's not going to cause him to run away from me. In fact, it can be the the very way in which I connect to God, because I know I cannot monitor it as well on my own than when I ask him for help. That's beautiful. Do you feel like seeing it in a larger chunk, if you're reading an hour at a time, you feel like you were able to see it more clearly, like some of that, you know, his patience and his perseverance, persevering love? Yeah. And of course, the whole story of scripture, because when you read the difference between, you know, Genesis one and the end of Revelation in three months is that you're going to make connections in the story of God, the story of humanity, the story of scripture, the story of the kingdom of God. All of those dots are going to get connected a lot easier. And that's one of the greatest benefits of reading it in that small truncated period of time. But I will say, I know it is overwhelming, but this might be something really helpful for your listeners. When I was thinking about doing this, I was like, I don't have time for this. I don't have an extra hour a day. I'm a busy person. Got to write a book, whatever. And so I, during this time, I was so much doom scrolling on social media. And I would look down at my phone and think, 
where did that 35 minutes go? It just disappeared into nothingness. And what was the result of the, that 35 minutes? I was completely stressed out and worried and my body image was worse and all, I mean, so many things, the world, I knew everything was going on in the world that was stressful. So what I did was I said, okay, I'm, I'm no longer going to be doom scrolling and I'm just going to take that away for this period of time. And so it had two health benefits for me mentally. One is I was no longer doom scrolling and didn't have all that information in my head that caused all this anxiety. And then two, it was filled up with the word of God and just this rhythm of reading and hearing the voice of God through scripture. It was, it was phenomenal. Well, I can imagine we've actually had some neuroscientists on our podcast that talk about how our brain like can rewire our brain mm -hmm. towards peace peace and healing and, and all those things. And for me personally, I like last year, I experienced a really challenging year where mm -hmm. it was, I was losing my sleep and just a lot of it connected with my anxiety. And I made some drastic shifts in mm -hmm. how I spend my time. I began to realize kind of what you're saying. Like, I felt like I didn't have time, especially when I'm staying up late and then it, it counters my productivity <laughs> and right. Yeah. But I finally realized like, I have to make a change because I don't have time not to prioritize my, and by pride, like I needed more investment in my spiritual and mental and emotional health than I was doing previously. So to our listeners, I know we received messages and emails and things from those, especially now with everything going on in our mm -hmm. world where it's mm -hmm. just overwhelming. And I would, I would suggest to you that an hour a day might actually save you time spent fretting and staying awake. So kind of just to piggyback on what you're saying, Mary, it's not really that we don't have time. It's are we investing time into our fears or into our faith? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. And it's also like, for me, discipline begets discipline. And um, if you've ever been in an exercise regimen before, the more I do it, the more it becomes consistent, the more it becomes a delight to me. And so I think for most people that start this, the first five days are going to be challenging, but if they can break through those five days, they'll get the benefit of it and you'll begin to look forward to it. Nice. But the other thing is I just want to be a voice of calm joy. And that is, this is not a legalistic thing. You can do it in 98 days. You can do it 180 days, whatever. I don't care. I'm not your mom. So it's fine. <laughs> but but some, there were some days when I've done this challenge, I've done it several times in the past couple of years uh, where my day was just too full or I just didn't have time to sit down and read. And so then I listened to the Bible and I put it up on 1.5 speed while I was commuting or while I was doing dishes or laundry or what, taking a walk. And that absolutely counts. And so if you're stressed, like I can't read every day for 90 days, you can listen to it for 90 days and get through the whole Bible. Very nice. Yeah, that's a really good point. So we talked kind of about the the practical level of shifting away from, I loved how you said the doom to the doom mm -hmm. and gloom to grace and power and love. From a spiritual aspect, there's something spiritually powerful just about scripture as well, correct? Absolutely. You know, the word of God, it says is living and active. And this is what I love. This is like a treasure hunt. And if you can approach reading your Bible, like I'm going to unearth treasure today, you will be so delighted because every single time I open up the Bible, I mean, it may not be some great revelation that, you know, every day I'm so astounded, but there's always something that 
sticks out to me that I had not thought of before because it's living. You could read the same story 10 times and get 10 different applications from it, which to me shows the power of this book. It's not just a rando book that you pick up off the shelf. It is living and alive and active and the Holy Spirit uses it. Plus it's the voice of God. If you're confused, like, well, what would God say about this? Go to your Bible. He's made it very clear and you can find the voice of God in the middle of that, um, in the middle of your reading. Amen. So let's talk briefly. You've kind of mentioned a bit what your book, how the, it guides the readers, but you you talk about brisk reading of scripture. So maybe just explain that for those who've never, I'd never heard that concept before. So what what does that mean? Yeah. So it just means that you're not going to stop and contemplate because you are reading a lot of scripture at a time. And you, and in your mind, you have to say, I'm not going deep here, but this will help me. And so one of the little practices that I, I tell people to do is have a notebook or a journal next to them while they're reading, or, um, you know, they could voice text it if they're listening anything that strikes you as interesting or you have a question about, just write it down. It won't be lost and you can go back to it later. After you've you know, got the whole council of scripture stuck in your head like a story, um, then all, then begin to just make some of those connections. There are people that will have a hard time with it. One of it, one of those is my husband, he's a theologian. And so he'll read like seven words and be like, wow, <laughs> what does that mean in the Hebrew? And he would just stay there for four hours. So having a little notebook to the right of you or the left, if you're left-handed, um, will help you just to say, okay, I'm not going to lose it. I'm not going to miss it, but I'm going to keep moving on because the goal of this is to get the whole Bible in three months so that I can make the connections necessary that God wants me to make about this. Yeah, that's very good advice. So how, how can this type of reading in particular, how can that help to decrease fear, to kind of quiet our fear? I have found that when I'm the most anxious, I do let go of some of those practices and disciplines that I've had. And I don't know why that is, but I just think maybe it's trauma related. I'm not sure, but I think I cocoon, I isolate, and then everything kind of falls by the wayside. So just even if I ran in and I hadn't been reading the Bible for a while and I was really anxious and I just stopped in Psalm 23 and read it out loud to myself, it stops me. It stops the ruminating and it helps my mind to be occupied with something that's spiritual and nutritious because of the nature of social media and how it poisons us and how it retrains our minds. Even just taking that little bit will be helpful. And I think, as I mentioned before, like this idea of discipline, it does beget discipline. So just even a little bit will help you change your course of action. But for me, I mean, just to really answer the question, I'm a ruminator. I circle and circle and circle and circle, and I can't get myself out of it unless I either pray, talk to someone, or read the Bible. So those are three really important ways to get out of the rumination cycle. How did this type of reading, how did it, how can it deepen our understanding of God's heart and his character? Yeah, I hinted at that before of just this, you know, every time I read it through rapidly, so I do it once or twice, sometimes three times a year. Every time I do something new stands out to me. One time I read it through with, with a mindset and that's another interesting thing. So people could go through the Bible and say, I'm going to read it this time with the mindset toward fear, isolation, and stress. 
And then all these things will pop out to, to you. The last time I read through, it was with the mindset of what does the Lord say about our bodies and food and diet culture and you know all these things. And it was fascinating because there's not a lot said about it, actually. And uh, we obsess a lot about it and <laughs> it's not really there. So it's like, oh, that's interesting. So we can go into it with kind of this, as I mentioned before, this treasure hunt of Lord, I want to find the thread of anxiety and fear throughout the whole Bible when I'm reading it in this little period of time, would you show it to me? I like how you invite God into like, so what you just said, maybe for listeners who have never done that before, you're inviting God into the experience, which he's already there anyway. Sure. Of course. But, but in that, I think we open ourselves up to his presence and, and guidance. So that's beautiful that you said that. How can reading the Bible and it's, and it's, broader context, how can that help to kind of decrease? And, and you mentioned a little earlier that you know, the idea that God in the Old Testament is harsh mm. and angry and and God in the New Testament is loving and grace. But So that's one maybe, but how does reading it in this broader context, how does that help to maybe clear up misunderstandings or avoid misunderstandings regarding who God is, his heart and his promises? The first thing I would say is if you read the whole Bible in this short period of time, you'll begin to be a better discerner. And when you listen to someone on the radio or a podcast or from the pulpit, if you go to church, you will be able to say, wait a minute, <laughs> that's not quite right. So you'll have this, this skill set of discernment that will come that you wouldn't have had before. So that's really great. And then the idea of the kingdom of God, that's another really great way to read through the Bible is like, what is the kingdom of God? What does it look like? And, and you'll learn Throughout the New Testament in particular, Jesus talks about it all the time. <laughs> and we're now in that age of grace. We're now living the kingdom. It's actually here right now. It, there is a now and the not yet element to it. Like now we are, you know, we're still beset by sin sometimes. And we, you know, we make mistakes and we have problems and people get sick and all those things are true. And there will be a day when all of our tears are going to be wiped away. That's, that is also true. But it helps us ground ourselves in the narrative of scripture, knowing our place that we get to bring, this is a joy, we get to bring light to a dark planet. We get to bring hope where there is no hope. And we can even preach it to ourselves to remind ourselves of the kingdom. Okay, let's let's pause there because I, I love what you just said here, but what does that mean? How do we preach it to ourselves? <laughs> you know, part of that is reading the Bible because it, like you said, I mean, it's just this powerful book that helps retrain our minds according to what Romans 12, 2 says. And so I think that's part of retraining our mind, but also recapturing our mind after a lie and recognizing what the lie is. So for instance, when I was reading through the Bible with body image issues, um, there were a lot of lies that I was believing. I am the sum of how I look. I will only be valuable if I look a certain way, if I weigh a certain amount, whatever, some of those things. Not true. Not true at all. I am valuable and loved by the Lord of the universe who gave himself up for me. So I, that's not true. But I had to identify that lie before I could combat it with the truth. And then I would go to scripture and say, okay, what, where can I go to find something that will you know, retrain my mind and I'll go to Psalm 139 that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And that will help retrain my mind of, no, these are lies. They sound like truth, but I'm going to tell myself or read that verse and help myself remember. You think, so I saw that you're a fiction writer as well. So that was fun. <laughs> yeah. And I actually write fiction 
too, which I love how it, it, you become, and if you watch movies, like mm-hmm. you, it, it just hits you on a deep level, right? Like you're suddenly, mm-hmm. you're no longer sitting in your couch in your home. You're now in the story. So do you think that we can do that with scripture as well? Like reading it in this way, does that help us become more immersed in the, so like making it more personal, I guess, to us more immersed in the biblical story? Yeah, one of the practices that I've done that's been really helpful is placing myself in the story in what the Latin phraseology is in medias rest, so in the middle of the story. And so when we're in Exodus and the people are grumbling and complaining and we're being all judgy about that and like, well, why are they whining and complaining? The manna is going to come. We know the manna is going to come. We know God's going to provide for them, but they didn't know that. They were not, they were in the middle of the story thinking, I'm going to be thirsty and I'm going to starve to death in the wilderness. And so just simply asking the question, what would I feel like if this was me? And then just kind of as a novelist, you have those skill sets of just looking around as if you're in a character. So maybe I'm Joseph in the Old Testament in Genesis. What would it be like? How would I feel if my brother sold me into slavery? I was in a pit and then I was being chased around by Potiphar's wife and then imprisoned again. And, um, you know, how could I be faithful in this situation? And he had no idea. He had these dreams, but he didn't know if they were going to come true. So placing yourself in it as a character and then just only seeing what they see in front of them has been really helpful practice for me. Well, I think that's great advice for some of our listeners who maybe have not really read scripture much. And they're like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can get anything. Well, your book does help. I do think it's, you know, it's, it's helpful that you have these insights that you provide, but also that's a great tool for them. If they feel like, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to glean from scripture. I love what you said there. How has this type of reading, how has that deepened your intimacy with Jesus Christ? It's the whole reason I wrote the book because I I can't contain it. (laughs) It has ultimately and completely changed me. This little spiritual practice of just time every day in the Bible has utterly changed me. And it has helped me to know God better that he is for me. He is not against me. I get to um, be, I get to have a new story. The old, all the trauma from the past is gone, even though it, there's some still lingering parts. The new has come and I got to know, especially when I got into the new Testament, I got to know Jesus. He was so revolutionary and so like out of the box and so beautiful. And the artsy part of me just fell in love with him. And he's just so creative and does these things way out of anybody's, including the disciples' expectations. And so this practice has deepened my trust in God's ability to help me, my thankfulness and gratitude for being saved from myself and all of the trauma and pain that I went through as a child. And it has helped me to see myself in in this ever unfolding story that I have a part to play. As a child growing up, I was always trying to be noticed. And now I don't have that need as much anymore because I'm a grown up, but I play a role. I am a saint. I am part of this great group of people who are trying to eke out a living. Do we struggle with stress? Yes. Do we struggle with um, anxiety? Absolutely we do. But those aren't negative things in some ways. Sometimes they're positive because they cause us to run to the one who carries our burdens. I love that. And also, I appreciate you've mentioned past trauma because for some of our listeners, actually a good deal of our listeners, that's their lived experience. And so I, what I hear you saying is you have actually experienced some pretty deep healing through mm-hmm. just this process of reading scripture. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, absolutely. Has it also, I also heard you talk about a lot of identity statements I heard coming from mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. 
So how has this impacted your sense of identity? Which, cause I think, I think trauma distorts our identity, correct? <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> yeah. So has this in some way been a corrective lens in terms of identity? You know, it has. And what has been really helpful for me is looking at some of the women throughout the Bible who have experienced trauma as well, and to have a name for it. And to remember too, and this is another little tip in reading the Bible, you have to ask yourself, is this descriptive? Is it describing something as a cautionary tale? Or is it prescriptive saying you need to do this? So we take someone like um, Bathsheba, and we hear the story, it is actually a cautionary tale. It is describing something very traumatic for Bathsheba. In fact, today I was reading for my podcast in Matthew, uh, the genealogies, and they still call I love um, that Bathsheba yes. Uriah's wife. So explain for so listeners who don't know the story, maybe just give a little bit of a, a snippet of what you're talking about. Yeah. So King David, who is like the king, the man after God's own heart, ends up seeing a woman on a rooftop, which would have been very common, but he was choosing to look because everybody bathed on the rooftop. And uh, he gets her, he takes her and uh, she becomes pregnant and he tries to hide it all by murdering her husband, Uriah. And so in terms of descriptive and prescriptive, if you're confused by that, you might think it's okay to be raped. It's okay to be taken and and she had no volition she had to be taken she in a patriarchal society yeah she was a subject she was a subject of a king and had to do that and so for me as a a sexual abuse survivor I'm sorry (laughs) thank you just seeing all of these women that have had these issues the one thing that I found and this is deviating a bit from the topic but when you see sexual violence in the old testament Every single time, just read the next paragraph or the next chapter, war breaks out. Violence begets violence. And it shows the heart of God that he, this is a bad thing. This is from the pit of hell. And so reading scripture helps me find those people who I can relate to and to realize I'm not alone. This has been happening since the beginning of time. That doesn't lessen the trauma, but it does help me to know that this is part of humanity's fallen nature to overcome and conquer people. And to see like you referenced Bathsheba being listed with her husband, not with David in the genealogy. It's like God saying, I am honoring her and and Mm -hmm. her relationship with her husband. So yeah, that that's really beautiful. Let's talk a bit. So you already mentioned you spend about an hour when you're, when Mm -hmm. you're reading this way and you said you'll, you do it. So it's not like every single day of your life, right? It's, it's, you take three months, maybe mm-hmm. twice a year. And you're spending about an, an hour a day, you said. So how do you feel? You you talked about this a bit, but let's just, not just about social media, but do you feel like it sort of takes away the power maybe, or the impact of negative messages? Like, do you feel like it's, it's a, a protective barrier, I guess? I think you're right. I think so. Because you're, the volume of time you're spending is rewiring your neural pathways in that whole hour instead of like three minutes. So it's just really so cool. Um, And I, too, I think when we're reading the Bible, it's, you know, you have a community here. It's important to do that in community as well, at least kind of debrief or talk about it. So I will be leading a whole group 
of folks starting January 1st and uh, of 2024. We're going to go through it together. There's a Facebook page and I will give 90 emails. So that'll be fun. I'm still writing them, but if they want to join, they can go to marriedmuth.com slash Bible and jump on. And then they will have this community of people doing it, which is much more interesting than you isolated in a little room, but to see like what other people are learning, it's just going to be really exciting. Yeah. Well, and to form those relationships, which can be so important as well. Absolutely. As as we close, I'm curious. So you've read all of scripture numerous times. And then in Mm. this brisk reading style, if you were to say that there's one section of scripture that you find when you're anxious or feeling afraid or overwhelmed, what's kind of your go-to comfort? Yeah, definitely the lament Psalms. So if you do a little Google on songs of Psalms of lament, there's quite a few that will be listed there and they follow a very specific pattern. They start with why God, why, and how long is it? Why is this happening to me? And then you describe what's happening. This is happening over and over and over. I cannot overcome my anxiety. And then the last three parts are, but I will trust in you. And then uh, the fourth is something about uh, the goodness of God or, or how he's dealing with it. And then a reminder of yourself that God is in control. And if you read those Psalms, you'll see that very exact chronological pattern. And when I bring people through them as a speaker, I ask them to write their own lament Psalms. And I did that just this last weekend with a group of trauma survivors And instead of writing out their lament psalms, we divided those five categories on a piece of paper and they, they put pictures in each category. And a lot of people came up to me and said, I thought it was wrong to tell God that I'm upset or scared. And I was like, no, King David, he did it all the time. (laughs) And Asaph, the psalmist, he did it too. And the Lord already knows your anxiety. You may as well tell him. Just like when you have a teenage kid that you know has done something wrong and you actually know what it is. So you already know, but your relationship is broken because you're not talking about it. When that person comes to you and says, hey, mom, I did this thing or hey, dad, I did this thing. Because you're communicating about it, that's a restored relationship. And that's what the Lord is looking for. Does he already know? Yes. But he wants that child to parent restored relationship where you come and say, hey, I'm doing this thing and I'm sorry and and I need some help. Yeah. Or even if it's not necessarily anything you're doing wrong, but just like when you're, yeah. when your kid I'm is stressed. trying to shoulder something wrong. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, and yeah. You're like, let me carry you. Let me comfort you. That's really awesome. Well, thank you for this wonderful conversation, for all the tips that you gave us and some of your stories of how this has really impacted you. I know it's going to be a great tool for so many. And so to our listeners, again, I will put all of our links in our show notes. Make sure to check out that group. It sounds like a powerful spiritual book club. I mean, you know, not just, but I mean, if you would do book clubs all the time, why not do it around, around scripture? So that's really awesome. Thank you so much, Mary. Thank you and have an amazing day. And thank you for all the work that you're doing to just help people with their own things they're carrying because we all need each other and your work is important. Well, thank you. Well, thank you for listening. If you haven't already done so, I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. Then you won't miss a single episode. Share it with your friends. And until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free.
Everyone wants to change the world. Capital Ministries is doing just that, one heart at a time by creating disciples of Jesus Christ among political leaders in the U.S. and foreign nations. For more than 25 years, founder Ralph Drawlinger has written Bible studies specifically for public servants. Study along with us and learn what the Bible says about capitalism, communism, abortion, same-sex marriage, and other contemporary issues. Subscribe and follow us at lifeaudio.com or search Capital Ministries on your favorite podcast platform.